here with us, uh, Justine Beauregard. Hi, so good to be here. Thanks for inviting me. Yeah, I'm so excited to have you here. Why don't we just dive right in? Tell us who you are and what you do. Okay, so I'm Justine Beauregard. As you said, I'm a sales coach and trainer, and that pretty much describes what I do. But usually I, when I'm asked this question, I will tell people I'm a lifelong entrepreneur. So my story is a little bit different that I didn't start a COVID business or, you know, try to create something that was really unique or anything like that. Like I don't have products. I don't have like a shark tank business is what I call it. I more have just, I have had this skill set of sales my whole life and I've always wanted to be an entrepreneur. My maternal grandmother was an entrepreneur. So I kind of started dabbling in business when I was in elementary school, selling friendship bracelets on the playground and lemonade stands and puppet shows in my backyard and all the good things. And then about almost 10 years ago, I was working for an educational nonprofit and I got pregnant with my first child. And my husband was like, what do you want to do? Do you want to work? Do you want to stay home? And I was like, I want it all. I want to do both things. So that's when I launched my business and never looked back. So it's been an interesting journey to get here, but I love it. There's so many good things about what you just said, right? Like culturally, I think our generation, I know we're very similar in age, is very much, I think the first generation of women that were told we could have it all. And I think like prior to that, we had women that had just stayed home and had had these beautiful lives where they were in charge of the home. And then other women worked so hard to have that right, to have this, you know, to be a boss, to have a career, to contribute in a different way. But a lot of those women who first did that didn't have a family home. They trade, they traded, you know, Mm -hmm. and then we were here and now we had these different sets saying, well, you can do do everything. You can, you can have a family and raise a family and be the primary caregiver. And also you can do X, Y, and Z. And I think I said with another um, guest, you know, for me, I was like, but where are my role models? Like, where mm. are the women that are doing both of those things already? And I don't think there were any. And, and you know, so we had to pave our own way and figure that out. Yeah, it's interesting because my maternal grandmother, like I said, she was an entrepreneur. And this was back in the 70s. She was a founder of Women in Electronics. She was in a very male-dominated industry. She had five children. My grandfather retired at 43. So there was just, she was the one for me. Like, I feel so grateful to be raised in a family where I had that strong female figure who was like, forget it. This is what we're throwing the book out. Like, we're just going to do what we want to do. And my mom, who was a single mom who always worked in corporate, she still works in corporate. She kind of took me down the path of working in corporate because it was always, you know, my mom was never really there. Um, and I want, and she was such a great mother to me. I was always like, well, I want to be a great mother to my kids. And I guess that means that I can't work so hard like Nana worked because she was never really around. 
And so it was kind of figuring out like, what is that balance? Because even though she was that role model, like you said, I don't know that they had it all figured out back then because they were trying to be taken so seriously. And with my grandfather being home and my mom being the youngest of all the kids, I think she kind of also got the short end of the stick. Like my grandmother had raised a lot of her children before my mom and my mom just happened to be the baby of the family. So not having as much of her time, I think she was just kind of like, well, you have four siblings that can watch out for you and take care of you and just making some assumptions and wanting to kind of step into her own power. And so I'm very mindful of how much time I spend with my kids how much time I spend with my partner. And it's not really about balance. I think it's more about harmony. Like the end of the day, I just want to make sure that every instrument in the band gets some playtime. Like it doesn't need, it doesn't mean that like I'm always on the violin and the flute gets two seconds. But like if I can find some sort of harmony there at the end of the day, ask myself, do I feel good about the progress I made? I feel like I'm successful and it's not always going to look perfectly balanced and that's okay. A hundred percent. And I love that analogy, right? It's not about balance. It's about harmony. And, and it's, I think what that brings to mind to me too, is it's not a stop. Yeah. It, it, it's a song. It takes time. It goes on. When you think about balance and you think of a seesaw, you think of, um, stagnation like it's it's not in movement it's just staying there right and that's kind of what you have to do on a seesaw if you want it to be perfectly balanced but when you think of harmony you think of music you think of Mm -hmm. art it's this long full of movement and and moving forward I I love that analogy I do want to bring it back to something else you said about sales and I'd love to hear what you have to say, but to me, what I've learned, one big lesson I've learned becoming an entrepreneur is um, if you are an entrepreneur of any type, and I will be so bold as to say any type, you are in sales. <laughs> that That's that's what I've come, come to really to think about it. Um, what do you think about that statement? Yes and no. I think sales is the majority of the business. Business is, you have to make sales to have a business. Just like, you know, taking it back to music, like Taylor Swift has to have fans to be as successful as she is. If no one showed up to her concerts, it doesn't matter how great she is. She's not going to generate the type of awareness that she has created now times person of the year, right? Like she became a billionaire off of her music, probably the first person to do that. Like Rihanna is a billionaire as well, but that came out of Fenty Beauty and her actual retail line of products. So I think it's so interesting to kind of look at that and say, yes, you are in sales and you need to know how to sell to a certain extent. But I also think people's understanding of what sales is, is a little bit misconstrued and we sell all the time. Like that is actually one of the benefits because no one necessarily teaches you how to balance your books or like use QuickBooks, for instance, on the money Uh side. 
but you are taught sales from a young age because you need it in all areas of your life. You need persuasion. You need these certain skills. Like if you want pizza for dinner, you have to convince and sell that idea to your partner. If you want a job in any realm, corporate or otherwise, you have to sell yourself for that job. From children age, we go to the playground and we sell ourselves as a friend to someone. Like there's so many examples of what sales is. And so I think even though we are in the game of sales, I think life is about sales. Sales skills are human skills and that everybody is kind of born with an innate set of sales skills. And it's really figuring out what yours look like. And then at the same time, if you don't want to be the active salesperson in your business, that's also okay. There are a lot of people who hire out sales and appointment setting and all of the things. And so if you realize that that is a part of your business that you really don't like, and you just want to be doing the things that you really like, you can find ways to do that too. So it's sort of a nuanced answer, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, no. Yeah. Good. I think. You're, yeah. I think that there's two. Like as you mentioned when you started answering, right? It's complicated, and I think we're definitely both in agreement. Like sales is everywhere, right? You yeah. you want to get a date with that person? You're you know selling yourself. It, you all the things you said, um, and then yes, that is a really good point. When you get to a certain point, though. When you get to a certain point where you have enough revenue that you can hire that out, yes, you can do that. But starting, I still think like as of like, I'm here today and I want to be an entrepreneur and I'm going to work for myself and this is what I'm going to do. You're in sales at that point because you got to convince them, how, whatever the business, convince them to give you the funds to get started, convince them to buy the product, convince them you can sing better than anyone else. Like you start there. <laughs> and then yes, over time, you know, you can potentially hire that out to maybe somebody who does it better than you or, or just for your, uh, or someone who enjoys it. Someone who enjoys it more than you. That's where I was going, yeah. Yeah, I think, you know, another part of that is you have to sell yourself on the idea of having a business and everything that that means. It really, every one of those sales decisions starts with you selling yourself and coming to some sort of conclusion or belief this is the best next step for me. Like before you go and sell yourself as a friend to someone, you're selling yourself on the idea that that person would be a good friend to you. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the job is a right fit for you. And this business is a right fit for you. And there are certain things with everything, with partners, with friends, with jobs, we have to make compromises. It's not always going to be easy and comfortable in a hundred percent of the ways, right? Like, My partner leaves his dishes next to the sink sometimes instead of putting it in the sink or in the dishwasher. And it's a compromise, right? Like (laughs) I have to be like, why? Like it's right here, you know? And it's one of those things. It's just like, it, it's annoying, you know, but it's, it's also who he is as a human. And it's, there are certain things where I'm just like, you know what, I'm just going to silently put this in the dishwasher and move along with my life. Like some things are just not worth caring so much about. And in the business, on the sales side, there are going to be things that you maybe care more about, care less about, that feel harder or easier. And it's just figuring out like, what am I willing to do? And just to your point about being able to afford outsourcing sales, I think that there are the best salespeople in the world 
are 100% commission-based salespeople because they know how good they are at sales and they'd rather have a higher percentage take-home pay than to be paid some sort of stipend or retainer with a little bit of upside. So what I tell people is even if it's day one in the business and you know you have a great idea, but you don't want to sell it, you can outsource sales essentially for free right? If you find the right people who are willing to be commission-based, awesome. And if you are someone who doesn't like sales, get a co-founder for your business who is great at sales and have them handle those things and use your sales skills to persuade the right people to come in and support the organization, how it needs to be supported. There are a million ways to get to the end outcome. And I think too many people think like, that's going to cost me money. I can't afford to do it, but it might not. And so get creative if you know that's not something you love. Which brings me into the question of, I mean, of, of coaching. Like I'm watching you coach right here, right? Like, okay, I see this obstacle that I've heard um, other people talk about. And like, here are some potential solutions for you to think about. So talk to me about coaching and like how you were pulled into that business of coaching and where you see the value in that, et cetera. Yeah. So it's interesting. I say I'm an accidental coach. (laughs) I did not like start my business trying to be a coach. It was really, it started as more of a consultancy. And so my style of coaching is very different. It's non-traditional because I'm not just asking questions the whole time. I'm also mentoring pretty heavily because I use coaching to find the answers and find some of the pieces to the puzzle that I need to know in order to advise strategically or bring that person's essence into the advice that I'm providing so that I know that it's going to fit them. And sometimes it's just, I'll spend a whole session with somebody coaching the entire time because I'm just like, I think this person knows the answer and I'm going to help them get to it. So some people want to be told the answer. Sometimes I already kind of know based on what they're giving me, like, this is going to work for you. So just do it. (laughs) And I will kind of frame each thing that I say. But how I became a coach was really as a consultant, I was doing a lot of the implementation. So I was writing the blogs, I was writing the email sequences, I was doing the social media for people. And then my clients, one by one, started saying, I love the work that you're doing. And I'm just confused how you're coming up with all of this. And I don't think like you, like, can you share more about how you think about this and how you came up with these ideas and like what your vision is for my brand as you come up with different things. And I started just offering pick your brain sessions where they, we would just get on a call and they would pay me for my time. And I thought to myself, well, this is a lot easier than implementing. All I have to do is just tell them what I think and, you know, tell them how I think. And so as I started doing that more, it, you know, it it slips into conversation. It becomes sort of a little bit of confirmation bias that each of my clients, I'm like, you know, I was advising another client on what I was thinking about the strategy. And they're like, wait a minute, you do that? Can I do that? How do I do that? And so then all of my clients slowly but surely started becoming coaching clients. And I was just getting on call saying, well, you know, what do you think? And what do you like to do? And here's some ideas. And which one are you leaning towards? And then we would come up with strategies together that actually leveraged their deep knowledge of their products and services 
with my knowledge of how to market and sell. And it became an even stronger strategy. And I was like, wow, there's so much power in this. And then I hired my first coach and I started learning coaching. And now I'm in a program for coaching that makes you a better coach. And just listening to other people get coached, even when I'm not in the hot seat, is so powerful. Just thinking about some of our best skills as business owners, as entrepreneurs, is leveraging the power of critical thinking and problem solving. And that is what coaching teaches you to do, is critically think and solve for problems. And so the essence of coaching in my mind is just being a curious person and reminding yourself that the more you know, the more you don't know. The more you uncover, the more you're like, oh, there's more to that story. We could go deeper here. And so it's sort of a balance of figuring out how much do I have to ask before I decide or do, right? Decide to take those actions. So it's really just finding the blend. And it's made me a better business owner because I coach myself and just with my friendships, with my partnerships, I'm always coming from a place, not actively coaching people, but I'm always like, why do you think that? Like, I'm genuinely just taught and trained to be curious about life. And so I'm always asking questions and learning and it plays to my human design. It plays to my Enneagram style, like all the unique things about who I am as a person. I'm a learner. Like I, I'm a perpetual student. So I love to dive deep and ask questions and figure out how things work and, you know, just get curious about so many things. And it just happens to a lot of people. I know I, you know, we have a, we have a personal relationship as well. And we've talked about that before, you know, what's coaching, what's consulting, what's teaching, what's therapy, right? And there's differentiators in all of those things. I have had a productivity coach my entire business. Uh, I've recently started coaching other people. And and I also think that my style is a little similar as well, right? There's a coaching aspect where the client is the leader. The client is the decider. And this is true even with real estate clients. Like they are making the decisions, but my expertise, as you said, your expertise in sales, my expertise around real estate allows me to problem solve or see things that the client may not have seen because they don't have that expertise yet, or, you know, they're coming from a different perspective. And um, I think you're right. It comes from a place of curiosity, first and foremost, like how do people work and what gets in the way and, and then a desire to contribute, um, to contribute to their success, you know, don't you think? Yeah. Um, I love that. So what do you think has been the hardest part for you? The hardest part of entrepreneurship? Yeah. Oh boy. You know, it's like picking favorites. I have a lot of trouble <laughs> with like, what was the hardest part? Because I feel like all of it's hard, right? Mm-hmm. Like there's so many parts of it where it's, yeah, all of it has an element of hardship and learning and growth and growth and learning can be really uncomfortable. I think for me, as someone who has multiple autoimmune disorders, who has ADHD, who, you know, is inherently just not an organized person, I've had to teach myself 
a lot of skills to be able to get to the point where I feel like I have a pretty good routine and schedule and things in place to support me. But I think some of the hard, the hard parts or the hardest parts for me over the years is really the thoughts I tell myself, the inner voice and dialogue that's constantly like, you're not enough, you're not doing enough, other people are doing it better, you know, all of these things. And I was listening to a podcast with Mel Robbins the other day, and she has this kind of thing that she says that she was like, actually, my daughter taught this to me. And I'll tell you the story really quick. So her son was going to prom and she Uh thought as a boy, he's going to be the easiest of my kids because the girls are like, we need dresses. We need this, we need that. And he's like, who cares what I wear? I just want to go have fun with my friends. She's like, it was a nightmare. They tried to get a car. They couldn't get it. It was pouring rain. They wanted to go to this taco stand and it would like, And she's like, it was stressing me out. Everything was stressing me out. I'm like, you're going to ruin your tux. You're going to ruin the dresses. You're going to be out in the rain. You got to figure this out. You have no plan. And she was so frustrated. And her daughter kind of like grabbed her arm and said, mom, let them, let them ruin their dresses. Let them be out in the rain. Let them figure it out. Like if that's what they want to do, you have no control over it. Once you send him off, He's going to do whatever he wants to do. And at that point, she was just like, oh, yeah, let them. And so all the thoughts that started to consume my mind of like, well, this other person's going to figure that out sooner than me, or I'm not going to be able to do this or whatever. Let it, let them, whatever is going to happen is going to happen. And so kind of just taking a step back and appreciating what is easy instead of focusing on what feels hard And taking a step back and focusing on what makes me happy versus what makes other people happy or what could make other people happy. Because mostly what we do as humans is we project what we think they think onto them, which is so layered, right? Like it's not even, I could be thinking right now, you don't like this top that I'm wearing. I love your top. And that's, but that's my thought is like, (laughs) I think. Maybe I don't like the top. I do like this top, but you know, if I like this top or if I don't like this top, I'm thinking nobody else likes it. And so the second we start to doubt ourselves or have that fear creep in, then it, we start to wash it over everything else. And so one of my favorite things, um, there's so many great books by Simon Sinek, but there's one where he talks about a skier and when they go downhill, they don't focus on the trees. They focus on the path because if you focus on the trees, you're more likely to hit a tree because what you focus on, you attract. Mm-hmm. And I've started to adopt that in every area of my life, but especially business. Like I think the reason why I struggle with that question of what's the hardest part is I try not to think about the hard parts mm-hmm. anymore because everything is hard. Everything can be hard, but I focus on what doesn't feel hard today. What feels easy and fun and freeing and exciting to me so that I can make it down the path safely versus everything feels hard because both are true. A hundred percent. And, you know, I had a day yesterday and I started out business, great things happening. And then you know, these things plug in. And then by the end of the day, I was like, this was a horrible day. And I'm like, wait, was it like, no, you know what I mean? Like there are these 
pieces and we're still moving forward and we're still collaborating and, you know, there's things there. So totally, totally appreciate that. And then also, I just want to say something too on, um, you know, what other people think. I think, or my, my feeling, what I find sometimes and one of the big mistakes I've made in business is what I think I should do next. Mm -hmm. So growth is equal to more money, more numbers, more work. I've come to realize that that's not necessarily true. And when I follow the should, I should do this next. I should do that next. That's when I get into trouble. When I'm in, I've created an environment that actually isn't working for me and isn't what I really want. And I'm not really excited about it. So now everything feels harder, right? Mm. Because I'm doing what I think somebody else thinks I should do or what the the great, the world at large thinks, oh, an agent is successful if they do this many yes. deals or, you know, and when I can step back, self-reflect, take that time and say, okay, now what do I want as the next step? Is the next step more transactions or is the step next step more time? And I need to leverage or I need to get more effective or I need to, you know, whatever. And and I think, yeah, it, it, this, our culture in, in the, you know, America, it can be very much just more, 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 more time, more money, more. And that's not the only way to grow. It's so true. You know? It's funny. I was in a goal planning workshop yesterday and everybody was talking about their 2024 goals. And it was like, write down what you want in 2024. And I don't like the words I want as a frame for goals, because it feels like I want it and I can't have it. Or like, it's kind of out of reach. Like I just wasn't connecting to that framing. And so I asked the facilitator like, Hey, I'm not loving. I want as a frame for this goal setting what would you recommend? And she said, try, I'm going to, or I will. I will. And I I wasn't connecting to that either. Cause I'm like, but will I like, I don't know, you know, it's so early and I'm setting goals for the entire year. And I just feel like I'm not connected to that either. Like it feels like a reach. It feels like a stretch. And so I took a second, I put my camera off, I put my thing on mute and I walked out of the room Mm -hmm. and I just kind of centered myself for a minute. And I'm like, what am I connected to? Like, what's going to make me feel good about my goals? And I sat and I was like, I'm excited too. That feels really good. I'm excited to serve this many clients. I'm excited to design my business this way. And so I came back in and I wrote in, I found it. I'm excited too. And she shared it. And a bunch of people were like, we love that too. And it, I was just like, but the most important part was I love it and I feel connected to it. And so with a lot of things, it's really just the framing of it. Like instead of I should, some people really connect to the responsibility, especially depending on your type of personality. If you're a very logical person, I feel like my husband would say I should and really like that. Like, I know I should go to the gym and like that is his discipline speaking and he's going to react well to that. Great. But for me, I think too many times we don't stop to think, what is the framing that's going to be the most supportive for us? It's not always I should or I will or I want to or I'm excited to or I get to or any of these things. And we need to pause and ask ourselves sometimes, like, 
what is the best way for me to kind of drive forward momentum? And sometimes just by shifting that first couple of words from I should make more money to I'm excited to make more money, you might be like, I'm not excited about that. I'm excited to yeah. have more time with my family or whatever it is. And it that frame alone can shift your goals completely. And sometimes the only reason we don't hit our goals is because we set the wrong goals for us, that we were framing it in a way that we felt some sort of obligation or connection to because of society. And I think social media has added so much pressure. As you said, everybody is like more, 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 more. That's the culture. That's the expectation. But what if it's not more or what if it's not more of what you thought you needed and taking the time to really sit with like, what do I want right now? What excites me? What motivates me? What inspires me? And too many times we let the thoughts of the projections of what you think someone else will think or want for you cloud that versus just really sitting with yourself and being like, okay, this is what I want. This is what I'm excited about. This is what I'm committed to do. And those are very different answers sometimes. Yeah, a hundred percent. And I think, I think the other thing to remember is we're always growing and learning more about ourselves always. So like one of the things that has really come up for me recently, because I keep hearing my coaches say it and then it keeps resonating is like, go slow. Like Mm. I am super great at setting really audacious goals, like moving like a bullet train and accomplishing them. And then being like, now what? like backsliding. (laughs) And so it's like, that's what I'm learning that for me to make sustainable, long-term growth, personally, professionally, spiritually, emotionally, I have to move slow because otherwise I'm just cramming myself and I will do it. The overachiever will meet the thing, but it doesn't stick. So if I want sustainable growth, if I want in my business, if I want sustainable health improvements in my body, if I want uh, long-term happiness in my relationships, instead of being like, I need to magically transform this overnight, Mm. I need to just take the next right step, the, you know, atomic habits, that what's the smallest thing you can do towards. Um, and that's when it really becomes, I think that's hard for people, right? Because frequently Mm. you're in some sort of discomfort that is pushing you towards that big goal. And, and you want to get out of that discomfort quickly and be rewarded. But then what happens? You just go back to, you know, anyone Yeah. Different things work for different people. And what we say to our kids every morning, because morning routine is chaos in my house most days, I will say slow is smooth, smooth is fast, right? Like we don't, we have a plan. We know what we have to do. Just take it one step at a time. If you're trying to like rush through my son with the teeth brushing in the morning, he's like, okay, I have no time. And he'll brush his teeth and it will be like, boom, 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 like onto the next day. And I'm like, dude, 
you can brush your teeth for a full minute. Like it's okay. You're going to be mm-hmm. fine. Like every little thing, he, my other son put his shirt on backwards. Cause he was so rushed. It was like, Oh my gosh, I have to get ready. And I'm like, you have 20 minutes until the bus is coming. Like, why are you so chaotic? But it's, we also feed the energy. Right. And so if I'm like, go, go, go. We have no time. I notice their energy is totally absorbing into that chaotic energy and it becoming just a frenzy. So I've told myself, yeah, like in the morning, I need to set my alarm 15 minutes earlier at a minimum because we were rushing around too much. And this morning we had so much spaciousness in our routine. It's just like, we get up and it's, yeah, it's okay. Like we, eat your breakfast, take your time, brush your teeth, put on your deodorant, like do all the things in whatever time it takes you. I'd rather have five minutes at the end of the time that we're getting ready to just like be with each other or dance or do whatever we want to do versus being right up to the clock. And so sometimes we think I need to move slower to have that more maintained growth or whatever that looks like. And sometimes when we move slow, we find we actually, because we're moving slow, we're going faster than we were when we were chaotic. And I think about traffic a lot in this example, like the office space movie where the guy's riding and he, he's switching lanes and he's not really getting anywhere. Like sometimes it's just that frantic energy. It makes us feel really productive. It makes it feel like we're moving super fast, but where are we actually getting to and are we being intentional? And I think just allowing things to be what they are and giving ourselves more space can invite more speed, even when we're being intentionally methodical or slower than we normally would be. Yeah, totally agree. All right, girl, you ready for these rapid fire? Got it. Let's do it. Uh, Favorite place to vacation? Paris. Oh, how many times have you been? At least five. Oh my God. I'm so jealous. I've been once. I totally want to bring my family back. I um, love it so much. <laughs> what is the one word you would use to describe yourself? Caring. Oh, you are caring. <laughs> um, what is the best piece of advice you've ever received? Mm, the best piece of advice. I think. I don't know. Again, this is like picking favorites. How about if I share the best piece of advice that I feel that I can give to someone else? Cause that I, I yeah, <laughs> that I know do less better. So a lot of times in business, we try to be everything to everyone and show up everywhere all the time, because that is sort of the perception of what is needed to grow. Like you said, And we can dip our toe in a million different areas, but we're only making these 1% improvements along the way. And what I found is when we scale back and we do less, like the Pareto principle, 80% of your success comes from 20% of your actions. Mm -hmm. Focus on the 20% and do it better instead of trying to do 80% more good enough If you do that 20% and knock it out of the park, you'll get so much further with so much less stress than trying to do everything. I love it. I love it. All right. How can people get in touch with you? 
Okay. So I also have a podcast. It's called People Over Profit. And I love doing it. They're really short episodes. They're usually hyper-focused on one thing and give you some tangible, actionable advice. So that would be one place. And then my website, justinebeauregard.com. It's B-E-A-U-R-E-G-A-R-D has all the links to my social medias and free mini courses and all the other things you need. I love it. This was one of my favorite episodes. I obviously love talking to you and I love, love spending you. time with you. <laughs> um, and I'm so grateful you came on. Thank you so, so much. And stay tuned next week, guys, when we have our next episode. Thank Bye. You.